In a world where cisgender is the norm, our heroes must navigate the storms of misgendering, misunderstanding, to create the perfect world. Join Frasley and Sash as they talk about pronouns, preference, and presentation, and speak with ever more exciting guests about what it means to be transgender in 2020 and beyond. Hi, I'm Sash, here with my lovely co-host, Frasley. And together we'll be exploring everything about being transgender and other stuff. How are you, Frasley? I'm doing good, and I'm feeling so pretty today. I'm just like, I'm like, bouncing on the wall. You are. Because I've got the, for audio listeners, I've got the hat, the shawl, and I've got my first dress. Yay! And it looks good on you. I'm kind of jelly. I I ordered another one from this one, because I I didn't know how the first one was going to go. So I was like, okay. Right. And I ordered the second one. I was like, there we go. Have you thought about trying Amazon wardrobe so you can try stuff on before you buy it? They had mentioned that. And I think I'm going to do that like with the next one. Because I, because once I ordered it and it was on its way, I said, Amazon was like, hey, you should try this. Is that pretty easy? If you don't like it, you just send back? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a, a trans friend who, who buys all her clothes that way. Nice. Because that, that's the thing is like, I, I'm still a assigned male at birth body. So I got I, I to gotta be careful to see... If it's like like how it's going to fit on me. Exactly. And the thing is, too, if you shop through an Amazon wardrobe, you can ask for stuff that you might not actually want to keep or wear or anything, but you can try it on and take pictures. Ooh. And then if you decide it's not for you or you can't afford it or whatever, you can send it back. But you had your little pretty moment. So that's also another consideration. That's actually a really cool thing for even people that are questioning yeah. if they're trans. I'm like, I like that idea. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, my, I don't do that, honestly, right now, but yeah. I've thought about it. I had, like, my first maybe moment of pretty last October when I bought a Bubbles Powerpuff Girl costume. I was like, right. and it, it, it felt so good when I wore it. It's like, hmm, maybe there's something there. Exactly. Oh, you know, another thing you can do, too is uh, Stitch Fix. If you want to put together a look, you can have their stylist put together a look for you. And then you just, they'll send it to you as often as you want. You can even have it just like once a year or something. And they'll send you this bunch of clothes. Usually it's about five pieces. And you keep what you want and send the rest back. And you can just send the whole thing back if you want. But again, you get that moment to try it on and see you know, what you think about it. And it sounds like from what you're saying that they're that they're pretty friendly to, to transgender on that. Well, they know I'm trans and okay, they've good. always been fine. Yeah. I mean, I basically had to say something about that because, you know, I had to explain that I'm really short and especially my arms are really short, but I wear a size extra large. Yeah. So they had to tailor stuff to that. And then I also had to tell them not to send me shoes because men's shoes don't fit me. I have tiny feet, even for a woman my height. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so, so they basically have to, you know, there's there's no men's shoes that's going to fit me. There's there's no sense in sending those. Yeah. Um, but they will send you shoes if you ask. So, that's cool. I'm, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write that down because I, 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 I'm looking at, at uh, changing out my, my uh, wardrobe. I'm still technically in the closet because I'm only out to people online, but mm-hmm. I'm still 
I love being able to be in here and wear what I want to wear here. Exactly. And staying in your closet as long as you want is fine. And if and when you feel ready to come out, that's fine. Just do what feels right to you. BlizzCon is definitely going to be one where I'm going to, especially like the shawl and the hat, I'm going to wear that. that that'll be like my first public, oh, I'm here. And and like, and like, I've already got friends who said that, that, that they're going to support me and uh, and stick up for me if we get any of those assholes who say, say anything. Yeah, my guess is you won't get very many, if at all. I think that you're going to have a lot of support there, even from people you don't know. But it's always good to know that people have your back. Yeah. I wish I could be there. I don't know when I'll be able to go to BlizzCon. I mean, who knows when the next one is anyway, I know. right? I guess in like 2036, <laughs> 2045. I mean, <laughs> it'll probably be next year, but who knows? We, we really don't know. And sorry, I, I don't mean to belabor it. Like one of my friends is, is uh, sent me an email that they don't know about their wedding in May, but I just realized if the wedding's on. Ooh, I can at least add something very nice to... Yeah. I don't know about a dress. I don't know if I'm in that, that, that place. I can find something nice or at least something a little bit more me to wear to that. You know what you could do is you could look into wearing a utility kilt because they're very unisex. Oh. And then a cute top. I will definitely have to check with the organizers and say, hey, will your family be weirded out if I, if I wear that? <laughs> I like that idea. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to see if, when we go back to the office, if I can get away with the utility kilt there, because I'm much more comfortable with that. Yeah. But I don't think it looks any less male on me. No. But at the same time, a lot of women wear them as well. Absolutely. So. But uh, I, uh, enough about me and how pretty I am. How are you doing, <laughs> my friend, Sash? <laughs> I'm okay. I mean, I'm in kind of a bad mood because I was trying to do something to uh, quickly level one of my tunes and it didn't work out for me. And then just as I was in the middle of a boss fight, my trans doc decided to call me to let me know that even though I've changed my name on their records twice now, I've sent I've sent in my court order and my, my new ID, they still haven't changed their records. Oh. Um, which means my my prescription for hormones, which is I, I need to get refilled, is in the wrong legal name. So it's just it's really super annoying. Yeah. And, but of course, they had to call me while I was in the middle of of fighting the Ring of Booty in Freehold. Oh um, yes. And I was soloing it. Basically, I I have two accounts, and I was yeah. soloing it on my Demon Hunter while my Paladin was kind of standing by trying not to die. Yeah. Which did not succeed, I might add. But it was just really annoying to, to have my, you know, my doctor's office like, blah, 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 we didn't do what you, you know, thought we did. And at the same time, be trying to kill this damn turtle. So, exactly. <laughs> so I don't know, it, it, that plus the fact that I thought I'd be able to pull, you know, large groups and I really couldn't because my demon hunter isn't all that well geared, even though she's 120. I ended up kind of in a bad mood over it. I think I'm just tired, really. Yeah, so. tired overall, or like, or like the uh, tired of the current times? Because I, I, I think like there, I know there's both. I, you know, it's hard for me to separate them out because you know a lot of people are going showing each other articles of oh yeah we're all feeling so fatigued because of this COVID stuff and it's like guys you're just describing my normal life. Yeah, really. I was already kind of a shut in, so. <laughs> It's it's worse, yeah, yeah, but I don't think it's because of, you know, COVID and all that. Although there's definitely 
politics fatigue, the more our our dear leader does to to be a jerk, um, the the more tired I get. Certainly, but honestly, I I think it's just life. It's, it's just the way life is for me. And so. on the verge of alienating anybody, I love the 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 VP pick that that Biden did. I I, I know that like it's coming out that like some some of her past stuff. She has to prove herself, but I love the fact that Biden said, "Hey, we might not have agreed in the past, but I want you on my on my board." And I'm like, that shows that that Biden's not afraid to have somebody who won't always agree with him. Yeah. Well, first of all, yeah, that's great. And second of all, I think it was very important to pick a black woman Absolutely. as his VP. And he only had a few choices, really. You know, just politically speaking. And maybe he didn't pick the one that progressives, of which I am one, but yeah. maybe he didn't pick our favorite. But at the same time, he picked someone who has definitely proven, A, that she's electable. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, she's she's been in the Senate for quite some time. She's got a lot of political experience, et cetera, et cetera. But also somebody who's not just black but multiracial yeah i think was was really good yeah are there issues with her background because of having sided with police a lot uh that's that's the main objection i think among progressives is that she sided with the police and that's that's very suspect to progressives but at the same time, I think she was the best choice to get the two of them elected. Yeah. But yeah, I, you know, obviously we don't want to alienate everyone. I just, I, I mostly want Biden and Harris to win because they're not Trump. Exactly. And, and I think, <laughs> you know? and I, and I think both of them are going to do good for so, so many different groups. I mean, minorities and all, and, and all that. I, I, I think we're going to be in, in for a good four years yeah, when I, they're elected. Yes, ex- yeah, exactly. I I really feel that they're going to win, and I feel that they're much better than the alternative, and that's all I'm caring about right now, yeah. is not are they the people I wanted, not any of that, but just they are better than Trump, no matter what. <laughs> and we were so close four years ago. So so see, the, yeah. the, this, the, the one thing that, that I also want to bring up is, whoever you are, please vote, because I've seen some tweets that I'm not going to vote at all. I'm like, no. Please vote. Please vote. We can't afford that. No. We can't afford that because every person that doesn't vote because they're disgusted with the fact that we've got moderates and a former DA is a person that brings us closer to the possibility that Trump could win again. Yeah. And we can't have that. We can't have another four years of Trump. He will destroy the country. We're already... Hillary wasn't maybe the best choice back in 2016, although I was a Hillary voter, but she might not have been the, the choice that a lot of people wanted back in 2016. But if she had been elected, we wouldn't have 160,000 people dead right now. No. And that's what we've got to look at. It's like, please vote unless you already know your vote isn't going to make a difference. You know, unless you already know that your state is overwhelmingly going to go for Biden and Harris, then please vote. Yeah. And of course, because we have the Electoral College, not everybody's vote actually matters. Um, Yeah. I mean, like here in Maryland, like if I didn't go out and vote because I was angry, it probably wouldn't make a difference. 
Yeah, it's the same with uh, Delaware. Delaware always looks blue. Yeah. So in cases like that where it doesn't matter, okay, write in Bernie if if that's what you prefer or just don't vote at all. But if your vote makes a difference, then there's any question in your state, then vote because the last thing we need is another four years of what we've had. Yeah, and, and I'm even thinking like on this podcast, this topic, we we, we, we need better trans rights. We we, we yeah. like th- there were things that that, that should have gone forward in, in this country that did not in the past four years. We had a few things that almost got got repealed. That yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, and there are trans people who are Trump supporters. I know that. I don't understand that. But I am also not trying to alienate anyone. No, if, no. If that's the case, if you're trans or on the spectrum of trans and you're a Trump supporter, then I'm not trying to step all over you. I just feel that Trump is not interested in transgender rights. No, I, I'm with you on that. Anyway, our topic this week is actually intersectionality. I've brought it up a couple of times, but it's a term that isn't as well known, perhaps, as it might be. The Wikipedia definition is that intersectionality is a theoretical framework for understanding how aspects of a person's social and political identities For example, gender, sex, race, class, sexuality, religion, ability, physical appearance, height, etc. might combine to create unique modes of discrimination and privilege. So, for instance, if you are a white well, just take me. I'm a white, disabled, transgender, gay person. Yeah. So those four things are things that could be used to discriminate. Well, not the white part, but the disabled, transgender, and gay could stand against me in terms of privilege. But the white offsets that to a large, large extent. So to put it simply, if you have a lot of isms, that you're suffering from. So racism, ableism, et cetera, et cetera. The more intersectionality is going to affect you. Yeah. I've done a call today and I realized that there were uh, two other white uh, straight males and two people I respect now that, but I realized I used to be that exact intersectionality. I used to be the, the white straight male. Now, now I'm the, I'm still white and, and I, that will never change. Can't change that. Nope. But now I'm the I'm the asexual, aromantic, non-binary. I mean, so it's right. It's weird that to, to realize because at one point one of my friends discussed the uh, the two males in the room. I was like, I'm not one of those. I mean, I was it was it was a it was a cool moment, but also a re- weird moment to realize that. But I still have so much so much privilege that I have to that I, I have to, I've got power that I need to use wisely. And like I think one of the ones right now, especially, is my white privilege. I I have to acknowledge mm-hmm. it, have to own it. And I have to work to be anti-racist. Right. If I do nothing, I may add to racism. Oh, no, not may. I will probably add to racism if I don't do something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I had to think hard before starting this podcast, just for instance, because I was like, well, shouldn't I be stepping aside for people of color to have that voice? And then I said, listen, I bought myself 
two computers. Despite the fact that I'm disabled, I have a really great job. I have all these things that are part of my privilege. And those things allow me to create a platform. And if I use the platform to the extent that I can to elevate trans people of color or other people who or have more intersectionality than I do, then I am doing a good thing. Yeah. You know, if I if I said, ooh, I'm going to make a podcast about white. Yeah, we don't need more of that. No, no, we don't need more of that. <laughs> no. You bring up a good point, because uh, when, when I was talking with uh, Joe Hogan, he, he told me that I have created a visible platform for myself, and, and, and he said that I need to realize the power I'm doing that I'm being visible on my journey and on my own self-discovery. And he said, mm -hmm. that is using my platform. I'm not perfect at it. I'm still working on becoming a better ally and being better in who I am. But he said there's that there might be somebody out there who is struggling and maybe my story can help propel them on their journey. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like if we can either inspire people or if we can give a voice to people. I, as, as I've said, I'm, I'm hoping to get, as time goes on, a lot of people who aren't white yeah. to be able to guest on, on this podcast. I don't exactly know how because, you know, there's sort of a, how do I want to put it? Because I'm a white trans male, there's a huge gulf between me and a black trans female. Yeah. Not because I want there to be, but because, again, there's so much intersectionality there. I'm white. I am, for all intents and purposes, rich. I've got privilege out the wazoo. And, you know, black trans women, especially if they're also disabled, which many are, for various reasons. It might be a mental health disability or it might be a physical disability, but the disability is there. And so if you if you take, you know, me as a white male and put that against the intersectionality of a black disabled trans female. I don't want to say there's nothing for us to talk about, but it's hard for us to understand each other. And I'm the one who needs to work a lot harder at that understanding. I think so if I'm going to find people and there are there are plenty of people in the DC and Baltimore area who are people of color and they're trans and it's going to be on me to try and find them and see if I can get them interested in coming on the show and talking about their issues because they might not see the point. Yeah. might be like, and what? Who cared? And so there's got to be some reason, not just to make me feel good, to make you feel good. Oh, yay. You know, we got, we got a, you know, person of color on our show. You know, that's, that doesn't do anything. It has to be something that's going to help them Absolutely. in some way. And I think I need to understand better what the needs of the trans community who are people of color, I need to understand their needs. And I don't really know what their needs are as well as I should. The good thing is that there's a very good clinic here in DC called the Whitman Walker Clinic. And they're actually where I go for trans stuff. And they're there to serve 
everyone and make sure that everyone who feels unseen is seen. And so I had signed up to volunteer with them before COVID hit. And that kind of went on hold because there's very little I can do right now. But if I can, once COVID has abated a bit and I feel safe coming out of my house, one of the things I wanted to do was volunteer with their legal clinic. Nice. So, yeah. Because I got a lot out of the, le- uh, out of the legal clinic myself. Yeah. So I want to give back and, you know, and hopefully that will help people. I want to see also if there's some way that maybe I can contribute to somebody being able to get drugs, you know, like uh, hormones. Yeah that they need so or maybe prep do you know what prep is i have heard the term can you define it for me or someone who might not know yeah it's i forget what the acronym is but it it basically is a drug truvada and i think there's another drug also now that they use but the one i was taking for a little while was truvada and it's basically a drug regimen that allows you to have sex with people who are HIV positive. Oh! Yeah. Without, basically without getting it yourself. Yeah. Or being in danger of getting it. Because the thing is, and I didn't realize this because I wasn't paying attention as much to the whole AIDS thing, but at some point, and I think it was maybe about 10 years ago, AIDS, there was a huge breakthrough, and now AIDS isn't the death sentence that it was. That's and good. most people know that, but they don't know what the different options are. And so there's drugs you can take if you are HIV positive to bring you down to the point where you're not transmittable anymore. Wow. And on the other side, there's drugs you can take, and that's what PrEP is, that will allow you to have a sexual relationship with somebody who is HIV positive and not catch it. Science continues to amaze me. It's amazing what they can do. I know. It's wonderful. But the thing is that if you don't have insurance, it's really expensive. And so, yeah. And so if I can contribute to that at all, I'd like to do it. I want to make sure that I'm not in any way compromising my family. Yeah. So there's a couple of things that I'm that I'm waiting to have happen on my end. But then if I can contribute to, you know, that kind of thing or to hormones or even, you know, there are a lot of people who are diabetics who are also trans. And if I can get a diabetic there, the little litmus papers that, you know, you stick your finger in, you, then you stick the paper against the where you stuck your finger. And then you have a digital thing, read the paper, and it tells you what your blood sugar level is. Yeah. And a lot of people can't afford those right now. So if I could, I actually have a prescription for them, but I can't stand sticking myself, so I never use them. I don't blame you. you. I wouldn't mind just saying here, have my, whatever they're called, but the, the little papers. Yeah. But again, I'm not in a position right now to do that. I have uh, I have a couple of things I need to be sure of on this end, and then I can probably contribute more monetarily and that kind of thing. But anyway, I guess what I'm trying to say is there are definitely things that the trans community needs from us. You know, I'm not sure if those things involve guesting on our show, as well as some of the other things, but it would be good if we could give them a voice with our platform. Absolutely. I like using what privilege and influence we have to do good. I, I've already been in discussions with a few of my friends who have wondered about trans or agender, and, and, I, and, I, and I've already been 
my limited knowledge, because I'm still, to use the sex term, I'm still virgin to all this stuff. I mean, and, and yeah. But using what, even what I have, I've been able to teach a little bit more and, and get people, get, get people thinking. And, and that's using what intersectionality I have to do good. And I, I love this concept. Yeah. The thing that's important about intersectionality is at first, and this was back, it was 30 years ago, actually. The term is 30 years old. Wow. Anyway, this female lawyer who is black invented the term for legal purposes because there was a situation where somebody who was black and female was I'm trying to remember exactly what happened but I think I think what happened was the case that she was dealing with was a black female versus a black male and she was trying to say that the black female had more discrimination coming at her had more things to overcome yeah. than the black male and the judge said that that was not a legal concept that there was no reason to think that a black female had it actually any harder than a black male and so this lawyer uh kimberly williams crenshaw Yes, that's it. Came up with this term and started talking about it and writing about it so that people would understand that if you had more, basically more points that were on the line, I guess, of things that could stand against you, then that meant that you had a harder time and that consideration had to be given to you because of that so again that a black female needed more intersectionality consideration than a black male or let's say you've got a black male and a white female which dear god that's an explosive combination historically speaking right yeah <laughs> but you had to look at her femaleness against his maleness but he's black she's white that there were basically shades of discrimination that affected everyone and that's the term that was coined that she used was intersectionality because of intersections i like that this is describing a thing that it's not saying one's better than the other it's just saying right. understanding where the experiences the, the book white fragility which i finished up last month with a book club oh yeah talked about it, it was good I, not a perfect book no book's perfect but it was it was really good and like the one thing they said is yeah that there's understanding what do you bring to the table what does the other party bring to the table and coming to an agreement on that right Right, exactly. You can't just look at one aspect of a person anywhere in any way, but especially legally, there's a lot to be said. The term has changed a lot in the last 30 years. It's only maybe in the last 10 years that people started talking about it outside of the law. And it's only really in the last five years that anybody's been talking about it a lot. But I first heard about it when I was in Alaska. I was I was living in Juneau. I also belonged to a women's gay chorus. 
you didn't have to be gay to be in it, but yeah. that was the idea. I think I think they called it the Lesbian Pride Chorus or something. And they were having a Martin Luther King Day celebration at the library downtown, and there weren't there were only like two or three black women in the choir that I was in, and one of them was supposed to be singing "We Shall Overcome." for this celebration and she had something happen she couldn't make it and finally asked me if I would and I just felt very unworthy and I said so I said you know I'm not the person who should be here please forgive my whiteness because I feel it's almost inappropriate for me to be standing here singing this song but please know that I am absolutely celebrating both the legacy of Dr. King and the hard work that more than anyone black women have done to try and overcome racism and sexism. And people were nice because <laughs> I really shouldn't have been there, but people were nice. And, yeah. uh, but the big thing was this woman who was an anthropologist at the University of Alaska stood up and gave a talk about intersectionality. And my mind was just blown. I mean, my jaw was on the floor as she was talking about this. And I'm like, why did I never realize this? This is so important. And at the time, I didn't identify as trans. I did identify as bi, but I didn't identify as trans at that time. I didn't, and I wasn't fully disabled. I mean, I was, I was a little bit disabled. I walked with a cane sometimes, but as far as I was concerned, I was still pretty mobile. Yeah, And so as time has gone on, I've actually seen new intersectionality applied to myself. But of course, I am and I will always be white and I will always have that privilege. And to the extent that I'm recognized as male or, you know, that people see me as male, that actually adds more privilege. It's like if people go, oh, this is a trans person then that's less privilege. But if people actually see me as, as a male, if I actually pass, there you go. That's the privilege that is kind of at the top of the heap, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's a very important term, but um, Dr. Crenshaw herself does say that she never expected it to go in this direction, that she never expected it to, to be part of social discussions, I guess, if you will, about race. And because she was just totally not thinking of that when she coined the term, she was just thinking about how the law should consider people who had different areas of intersectionality. And I think, honestly, she was really just thinking about black men and women at the time, not about, say, disabled people or trans people or any other isms, if you will. Yeah. So she's surprised, but at the same time, she I think she agrees with the use. It's just she doesn't want to see it ever used against anyone. Some of the critics of intersectionality have come out and said that, well, you're talking about like a hierarchy of victimization. And it's not supposed to be that at all. No. You know, it's not supposed to be like, 
oh, I'm multiracial, plus I'm disabled, plus I'm this and that and the other thing. It's it's not supposed to be like, oh, God, all these terrible things. You have to be nice to me. It's more of a, no, you have to understand when people have more than one thing that is discriminated against that can be applied to them. Even consciously or subconsciously, yeah. Then they are progressively less advantaged in society. Yeah. You're describing something that I was reading about, uh, like, like women will, a strong man, people think they're confident, they're sure of themselves, but a strong woman, they think are, that they are out of place or that they're being whiny. And it's like, no, they're trying to, to speak up and be assertive and confident. And it's that weird dichotomy that we look at. Yeah. Have you ever heard the term uppity? I've heard that. Yeah. Uppity, it was a term, from what I understand, it was a term that was originally coined in the South to refer to black women who didn't seem to know their place. Oh, I am going to... Yeah. I, I, I rarely use that, but I need to, I need to, to get that out of my vocabulary. Yeah, wow. uppity is basically a very racially tinged term. And even now... It's usually applied to black women. Yeah, I have seen that. I, I, yeah. Wow. Yeah, exactly. And the whole idea is she doesn't know her place. And it's like, well, what is a black woman's place? Yeah. <laughs> because, because I think a black woman's place should be as vice president. I think, Absolutely. Or president even better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I think a black woman's place is on a throne. But again, uppity. It's it's a term you all never hear applied to somebody who's not a black or looks black, quote unquote. They might be multiracial or they might even not be black at all. But somebody who, quote unquote, looks black and is a woman. You almost never see it applied anywhere else. You don't talk about uppity white women. No, you, you don't. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. See, that's that. My white privilege is something that I've I've heard in my in, in circles before, and and I never placed that it that is being racist. Yeah. I I mean I didn't either, especially when I was younger. I never thought about it, which, of course, I had the privilege to not think about it. But yeah, me too. I think I realized I didn't have to have it pointed out to me. Uh, I think I think I realized it sometime after I first moved to DC because the thing about Washington DC is that it's a mostly black city but there are little pockets of weirdness in that I was in the same class as Patrick Ewing who's a fairly famous basketball player he went to Georgetown the same year I did and there was some stupid ass Washington Post article about him and it referred to him as being oh god how do they put it he was on a mostly black team in a mostly white university in a mostly black city in a mostly white country or something like that and I was just like ow yeah. You know, I mean, now now nobody would write that. No. Right? But I mean, it was true. The basketball team was mostly black. The, the college or university, I should say, was mostly white. 
and DC is mostly black, and the US at the time was mostly white. That shouldn't be the case in another few years. I forget exactly when it's going to be they're predicting that, uh, but it's, it's not long from now that the country will be mostly not white. And I think it will be a day to celebrate. Oh, 100% because this yeah. country should be a it really should be that melting pot where we come together and we we all have different cultures that we're part of but we but we should all get along and yeah while you were talking I was thinking about I already saw a tweet that I retweeted and of course lost one or two followers because I happened to bring up sensitive topics but I, there's a tweet out there of two cards to look at one is the racist remarks that that Kamala is going to get and one's the sexist remarks. And and, 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 yeah. and Kamala has intersectionality that, that she is going to be having to go at her already. Uh, already, our our president called her a, a nasty woman in, in one of the... <sighs> I, and again, not trying to alienate anybody, but I think it fits this, inter- this intersectionality talk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, first of all, why the nasty? That is just not a word that anybody uses anymore. No! By... You know what? The only time I want to hear the word nasty is if I'm listening to old Janet Jackson songs. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I still love that song. But, you know, it's 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 like, no. Other than that, we should not be hearing the word nasty these days. No. But it's always applied to women. It's more often applied to women of color. And so there he goes with already being sexist and racist, and it's just not necessary. We just don't need this kind of talk. No, think about like how scary it must be for her to be coming out on, on this, because coming coming into the forefront with those two things already against her in our society. Yeah. I, yeah. That's why, again, I'm not trying to alienate anybody who is voting for Trump, but I want to protect Kamala. I, I, I mean, not that she needs protection, but I want to I want to I want to defend her. If that makes sense. I'm not I'm not coming. Right, in, yeah. I'm not coming in as a white male savior. I'm coming in as a I'm, I'm going to defend her. Right. Exactly. It's like it's like you want to stand with her. Exactly. That's not the word for that's her, the... but with her. And, you know, exactly. I feel the same way. It's like, you know what? There's, there are bad things that you can say about Kamala Harris, you know? It, she's she, like anybody. She's not perfect. No. But she is a strong, multiracial woman who takes no prisoners and gives no fucks. And she deserves to be celebrated for that alone. Yeah, the, the the fact that we are looking at our second black president or, or figure. Well, we we had Obama, but the, the fact that, that, that we have somebody else, yeah, in, in the White House, that is incredible. That shows where our, our country is going, and I and, and I love it. I want it to be commonplace. Yeah, I want in all levels of government, white men to be the minority. Absolutely. I, there's an article on them. I think it was you or my friend at the Faye showed me about the, the, the site them.co it or wasn't them.com. Me. Yeah, it wasn't it, me. It's, 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 it's a newsletter that like both transgender and non-binary that, that comes out once a day. And they had an article on the top LGBTQ candidates to look at for. And I was like, that is cool. That is that even that they, they are going against the intersectionality and they are rising up in the in the political sphere. Yes, exactly. Well, we have a trans woman in the state legislature in Virginia, and I was so happy when that happened. Virginia is now pretty much blue. Nice. And they were a red state. 
So, Texas is next, baby! But yeah, I mean, the more we can get people who have higher levels of intersectionality into our government, the happier I'm going to be. I don't want to see white, able-bodied men being the leaders when they don't represent the majority anymore. Yeah, and I can already picture somebody's listening to be like, but isn't that going against white white men? But white men have been the, the leadership. and They we, don't need we, help. Yeah, they don't, they, don't, they don't need any help at all. They, they, they've been there. And I think having more a more diverse anything creates better representation, creates better input into things. Because we have policies that are being worked on right now, and you need diverse voices bringing mm-hmm. their experiences to it. Exactly. The thing is, it's not that white men are inherently bad. I mean, no. I'm a white man. And I, 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 I'm still white, but I wasn't. Yeah, so I, yeah. And the thing is that, unfortunately, unless you're wearing a dress, you pass as a white man. Absolutely, right and 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 I admit that too. I, I I do. Like I was at work yesterday, and I passed as a white man. Right. So we're both top of the heap. Yeah. But neither of us are saying that there's anything wrong with white men inherently. No. It's just that they are not representative of most of the people in this country. If they ever were, they're not now. Exactly, no. And And they need to step aside and understand. Absolutely. We need people who have experiences that they can bring to to move our country where we need to go. I I am scared for what kids have coming forward for their their future government. I, I would have hoped by now we would be farther along than we are. Yes. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, the the current administration has dragged us more than four years back. They have dragged us way back. We're going to have to work for the next 10 years at least to try and get back some of the things. You know, first of all, get the economy to recover. Yeah. Get healthcare back where it needs to be. It should have gotten better after Obamacare. Obamacare was not perfect. No. But... We haven't been able to upgrade it because of the white men, basically. Older white men, too. It's like, no, we need to get those people out and get young people of color, women or trans, non-binary. You need to get the voices that need the representation to actually be part of government themselves. I want to see children of immigrants rising to the highest levels. I mean, right now, an immigrant can't be president, but they can be pretty much anything up to the executive, yeah, the actual president or vice president. So let's, let's get immigrants everywhere in there. Let's make sure that we can get immigration law back to where it needs to be. Somebody pointed out, and it's true, that... Right now, USCIS is looking at furloughing like 90% of the government employees working for them. If they were taking in applications from the Dreamers, they wouldn't need that money from Congress. Yeah. But they're not because the administration will not allow them to. They won't let them process those applications. That's $500 each just just for the application, not for everything. Just for the application, it's $500 from every dreamer. And yeah. oh. it would make the difference. And the thing is that I don't think the agency itself is necessarily against it, although maybe at the very highest level they are. I don't know. But 
they were the good guys. And right now they can't be the good guys because Trump won't let them. The administration won't let them yeah. process those applications. So we have all these dreamers. Yeah, you know, they, the Supreme Court decided for them that they didn't have to leave the country. But they're in limbo right now. And they will be until we get a Democrat in there. So that's another several months. It's it's not going to change with the election. It's not going to change until end of January, beginning of February at the earliest. And the more people like Ilhan and AOC, et cetera, et cetera, we can get in there. And, you know, if you look at Congress right now, the Senate and the House, it's all middle-aged or old white men. Yeah. For the most part, we need to get more people in that are not middle-aged old white men so that there can be some kind of balance. Absolutely. Yeah. Our government should reflect us. And and, 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 and as you showed the stat, our country is changing its status or not, not status. It's changing what the status quo is. And our government should, should, should be changing to reflect that. It should be of the people, by the people and for the people representing who the people of the United States are. Yeah, the actual people, not rich, old white men. Yeah. I, I know we might have angered somebody, and that was never our intent for this discussion. No. We just wanted to, sh- to bring up why intersectionality is such a, an important topic to be thinking about. And if you're feeling uncomfortable with, with, with what we said, because believe me, I've been feeling uncomfortable, because I'm, I, I mean, all this stuff is stuff that I'm, I'm, I'm undoing my upbringing been a lot of this stuff in my, my thinking. Sit with that uncomfortable for a little bit and think about why you're uncomfortable. I mean, not yeah. saying that you need to change. What makes you uncomfortable about it? Yeah. What's there that is gnawing at your, at your at your mind? The thing is that everyone should be angry about something right now. Yeah. But if what's making you angry is what we're saying, then just sit for a bit and ask yourself why. Why are we angering you? Yeah. And maybe there's somebody that you know that is in a different place with intersectionality. Even if if up until this time, you've just considered it a hierarchy of victimhood. Think about, imagine for a moment that, say, if you're a guy, imagine you're a woman. Imagine that you're black. Imagine that there's something, say, maybe you're mentally ill or you're you know, disabled in some other way. I've seen a a statistic recently that 40% of the population is disabled in some way. That's a lot of people. Yeah, I can believe it. I can fully believe it. Yeah, it might be a mental disability. They might be including autistic people in that. A lot of people who are on the autism spectrum don't consider themselves disabled, but that may be part of that disability statistic. I don't know. But let's just say that you're on the autism spectrum, you know, however you define that, you know, with whether you say Asperger's or you say something else. That affects your life. People don't understand you. You don't understand other people. Maybe you can try to understand the pain that other people are in and the difficulties that they have to overcome in their everyday life. Imagine being a young black child that by the age of five already knows to hit the floor if somebody says there's a gun, who already know never disagree with the police. Always keep your hands in sight. Just yeah. just imagine what that... I can't imagine. I know I can't really imagine, 
but every once in a while I try. Yeah, I remember like uh, back in June when uh, Black Lives Matter was trending, and it's it's not uh-huh. a trend; it's a thing that's still going on. I, I remember seeing different people on, t- on Twitter describing when they were told the talk, and, I, and and to me, the talk is the birds and the bees. But <laughs> but hearing that four and five or even younger, they they were like, "Listen, we need to explain to you what's going on," and and, and like. One of my friends went on a podcast, and he described when he had the talk, and I'm just like, that is privilege that I've that I, that I have. I've never had to have that, and I and just like even say, let's say you run a red light, and the police pull you over, and you're white. While you're waiting for them to walk up to your car, pretend just for a second that you're black, and imagine what that might be like. I heard recently about a woman who she was driving her kids to get ice cream, I think it was, and her car matched the description of a stolen car. And the police, you know, basically came at her with guns and made made her and her children, one of whom was as young as six, all lie face down on the ground. And just imagine what that might be like. Imagine yourself in the place of, I I read recently about these two black boys who were sitting at a bus stop and somebody who was homeless came up to them, asked for money when they didn't produce any, started yelling and attacking them with a knife. So they had a skateboard with them. So they picked it up and started, you know, pushing him away. And I mean, I think they hit him with the skateboard, but he was definitely being aggressive and he had a weapon when the police came they trained their guns on these kids because what they had heard was oh two black kids with a skateboard are hitting some guy that's how somebody had reported it so so they had like automatic rifles and all that stuff trained on these boys instead of trying to find the guy who had pulled the knife on them it's very, very difficult to be black in this country. And there are so many other considerations. We haven't even really talked about poverty, but when you add poverty to the mix of all the other things that you can have quote unquote wrong with you, people who have never been really poor, I mean, they might've been short on cash, but I'm talking about people who are not only living paycheck to paycheck, but who can't make that paycheck stretch. It's hard to know what that's like. And it's hard to know what it does to you. Anyway, if you are angry at the things we're saying, just just think about why. Just think about your place in the world and other people's place in the world. Try not to assign blame to people who are poor. Perhaps you can come to to a better understanding of what we're trying to say. Absolutely. And I know neither of us are trying to preach. We're, we're not trying to give an agenda. We're just trying to talk about topics that are close to us and, and that, we're, that we're, we ourselves are, are learning on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think the thing is that when people get angry and going back to intersectionality, say, oh, well, it's just a victim hierarchy. The thing is that what people who talk about intersectionality are trying to do is that we're trying to end discrimination so that identity politics, which is another big buzz term that people use when intersectionality is, is discussed, We want that to be a thing of the past, not something that is necessary. I mean, we are not at the point where we can say, oh, I don't see color, whatever. We are not at that point. But if someday we can get to that point 
it will be because we recognized intersectionality and we talked about identity and politics together. Intersectionality wouldn't matter if discrimination didn't exactly. exist. And I was talking with, with, with a group about representation of different uh, identities and races in gaming. And, 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 it's, it's, and it's like, it has to happen because we've had one norm. By keeping it a norm, we are in a way saying that it is the superior identity and the superior race. And that's not at all what we need to be doing. We, we need to be saying that everybody matters. And to get to where everybody matters, we have to, we yes. have to lift up the, the people that are being marginalized. Exactly. So uh, I think we've we've talked already a decent amount about discrimination we've seen or experienced. Is there anything else that you wanted to add to that? I've only seen discrimination. I've seen people like I, like I see Twitch streamers who either are women or they are or they're trans or they are gay or lesbian. I've seen I've seen there, but I, I have I can't say that I've experienced myself other than having a a friend tell me that what I was wearing was jarring and they they, they meant it in the best way possible you, you and I talked about it but it's still I think that's the closest I could come to discrimination but no I, I can't say I've experienced it but I've seen people who've experienced it. how about you? Yeah I would have to say the same again as a white person it's not that I can't be discriminated against for things like being trans or for being disabled but I haven't seen a lot of that I think my biggest problems have come when say somebody misgenders me but that's not really discrimination that's I mean it is in a larger sense but it, they're not thinking oh this person is trans I'm going to treat them like crap. yeah and as as far as being disabled I I've seen some discrimination in the sense of I get cut off a lot in public I my mom got actually pushed one day when she was using her walker and I guess she wasn't exiting a restaurant quickly enough and she got pushed. So that kind of thing I've seen. I've seen how the disabled are discriminated against in the sense that you know how you've got to have disabled like exits and and that kind of thing in like a a transit system. I did find that I had a very hard time getting out of or actually, I think it was just trying to switch trains in our metro system here in D.C. And the amount of time I had to spend going around, basically, instead of just straight across to the other track. The difference was ridiculous. And I had to ask for help, basically, from one of the station managers. And he said, they have to make it possible they don't have to make it easy. And in that particular metro station, they definitely had not made it easy. But that's the only real, I would say, discrimination I've experienced. And and that's pretty minor. <laughs> things. Yeah, I, I, I'm definitely I, like, I've got a lot of a lot of privilege. And I don't want to use that privilege for my benefit other than to amplify people. I mean, I, I know I subconsciously do use yeah. that privilege and, and I'm trying to work on, ad, on admitting when I do, but I want to use it to make the world better for everybody. Not just not just hoard it for myself, if that, that makes sense. I did see, and this was a while ago, it was a few years ago, but in a company that I used to work for, we were looking for someone to basically do the same work that I was doing, basically a senior cybersecurity engineer. And we had interviewed 
a ton of people, mostly male, because as I said last week, those are the people who go into cybersecurity, mostly yeah. men. But we had interviewed a ton and nobody, we couldn't find anybody who was willing to take the salary we were paying who was qualified. We interviewed a black woman. She had the experience. She had the education. She had everything. So we were going to offer her the job. And uh, she didn't pass the background check. I don't know. I mean, they don't tell us what it was that she didn't pass. I don't know if there was a credit problem. I don't know if there was a... Maybe she had been arrested. I don't know what it was. But I came home and I said, My God, the most qualified person that we had interviewed. And we couldn't hire her. And that was... It was wrong. Yeah. Oh, I'm with you. <laughs> you know? It... Just even like going off of what I've sort of heard, I'm going to guess something in the background check was because of her skin color, she got arrested for something that she didn't do. I, I mean, I'm, that's an assumption on my part, but knowing that... Yeah, that or there maybe was a credit yeah. problem. Maybe there was a financial issue at some point and there were, you know, unpaid bills or something. Yeah. It, and and if, she, if she had been white, that probably would not happen. And, and, and that, that, is, that, that, yeah. that, that is fucked up. Yeah, and and I said I said to my partner Chris, I said I just really have this feeling it was you know that the credit check system isn't fair to blacks. No, and he said no, it's not. And I just I felt so naive because every time I see something like this, I don't expect it. But I will say that my department was white as snow. And counting me, 100% male. Anyway, yeah, so that's that's definitely uh, some discrimination I've seen. And I know that a lot of companies would say, well, we have to have these credit checks, we have to have these standards, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, sure, but who are they really hurting and helping? Yeah. I think that instead of just... I think maybe we need to go back to a place where companies are doing their own checks and not using a third party. Absolutely. Because you, you don't know who in the, what the what company is doing. You don't know if they have a systemic racism problem in what they're doing. And Yeah. I had never had a problem. I had a secret clearance with the government at the time when I started that job. And I almost didn't pass the background check because their third party service found I had had some friends put me on their credit card and then they didn't pay their bills but it ended up on my credit yeah. report because my name was there and I had to explain this to HR what the issue was because she was saying well there's something from when you were living in Kentucky and I'm like I've never lived in Kentucky and then I, I reconstructed the whole thing and because I'm white they were willing to take my word for it Yeah, but it's like okay, if I almost didn't pass their credit check, then there's a problem. You know, because I had a secret clarity. Yeah, there's no way I shouldn't have passed a background check. I think I, I think I shared with you, but I got pulled over for having a headlight out years ago, and uh-huh. I had a cooler of water bottles because I had just got, got, got them back from Cedar Point, um, and I had just yeah. got them back from it, and I, it was late at night, and because of being white... I think I was let off more easily. I wasn't drinking, but if I... Right. Yeah. I was thinking, like, how different that could have gone. Like, my first thought, even at that moment, wasn't the color of my skin. It was only years later that I realized that was some fucked up privilege that I had. Exactly. And the best we can do with our privilege is do what we're doing. And hopefully 
making someone's life better. Yeah, and, and hopefully opening someone's mind. What I'm telling everybody right now on, on here is stuff that friends have told me. And I'm, right. I'm, I'm passing on what I've been told, and, and that's the only way I think we can get better. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's our show. Is there anything you'd like to say before we stop? No, nope, just that I've, I've enjoyed uh, being able to, to, to hang out with you. I, I, I've gotten to know you better even more, and it's it's fun, and I'm able to explore more myself, hear, hear experiences, hear stories, I feel like I'm growing every every week, so I appreciate that. Ditto. All right. See you next week. This podcast has been a production of Kitty Dream Studios.